The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. We just want to appreciate South Lakes Church, who is taking over, taking over this side of the room today. So we're glad you guys are here and, and you've been faithful. Thank you. Thank you. And I, Kevin, will you let them know a really sweet video is going to be played while you go out there? Yeah, we're on the same wavelength. So um, just to give you some history, uh, um, Joey uh, and, and maybe some of his team, they'd heard a little of our story. Uh, they're from Oklahoma City about what Neighborhood Church wanted to do in our community. We were very, um, very small at the time, very just learning what to do with how, how do you form a, a local body uh, within a neighborhood. And they heard, they heard what we were doing. They're like, how can we, as a recent, you know, kind of church restart, uh, help you guys do what you're doing in your community? And we want to do that in Oklahoma City. And uh, just began to form a friendship. And the very first thing, um, they, they start, decided to start small um, um, by building the entire track in the back of the school, which I know you guys have walked on and seen. So I'm just kidding about small. But that was an amazing team you guys sent last year. And they said, hey, when can we come back? And, and we had mentioned the carnival. And I don't know if you guys were here at the carnival on Friday night. The school has a carnival, a spring carnival, where it's kind of the biggest neighborhood party that, that, that is thrown. And they came and worked all day setting up, cleaning up, and then, of course, working a lot of the booths, which you guys saw as well. So personally, I want to say thank you to that. And actually, yesterday, they went to a mission conference in the morning here in town and then we went to some of the uh, neighborhoods uh, passing out sports camp flyers so they've helped recruit some students who maybe wouldn't have known about our sports camp and they did that yesterday and then we ended with a, a, just a, a shindig at the house which many of you guys have experienced as well last night but Eric uh, took some um, video over the weekend and we wanted to show that for you guys this morning all right let's thank them one more time for coming and helping out with our weekend All right. Well, one of the things we love to do is study the Bible together. Um, we don't just do it on Sunday mornings, but it's uh, the longest time that we have organized where you have to sit there and listen to me talk. All right. So, but there's lots of different places, hopefully throughout the week where you're in the word. Um, and currently we're going through the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 is where we find ourselves today. Let me pray. Father, as we uh, dig into your word, may, uh, may the treasure be seen. We know it's a treasure, but may we see it. May we enjoy it. May it change us. May we know it's your word given over thousands of years as you, our loving, wonderful God, continues to pursue us. May we enjoy it today. Amen. All right, there was this guy. And this guy had a magnet, and he wanted to know which metals it stuck to. So he found that aluminum was not very magnetic, and it just fell to the ground. Now gold, it was beautiful, but like the prior metal, it also did not stick. Lastly, he tried it on iron. Oh, and how did it stick? It took three men to detach that magnet from the iron. If you can hear this, 
listen. Now, Jesus taught in parables all the time, all right? Jesus taught in parables all the time, and, uh, and it seems like with the crowds, like the masses, he would use parables. In these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about parables and these ones that Matthew chooses to put into his gospel. And today we'll be doing two things. One, we'll be looking at the parable of the soils, or also named the parable of the sower, and also why he is even using parables. So let's begin reading in Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So we find ourselves from, if you were here last week or you've been reading through Matthew, Jesus is in a house um, at the end of 12. There's so many people, his actual blood family can't get in the house to see him. They come and say, Jesus, your family's outside. They want to see you. And of course, Jesus uses that for a teaching moment. You know, Jesus is always this teachable moment type guy. And he says, who are my mother? Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And we talked about how Jesus welcomes us in the family of God. So those people, Matthew says, that same day, all these people who came and fit around Jesus want to hear what he has to say. So um, he went into a, a boat and by the sea, and, and maybe there was a little cove there, and it kind of created like him in a boat, and like the, 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 the water creates a good distance where the sound can project. Like a, it's their 200-watt sound system a boat and some water, you know, that's what they were using, and people could stand around, and some commentators say that probably you're, you can be heard 300 feet away in that kind of environment. So maybe picture Jesus and maybe this little cove where people are listening to him tell, tell parables. That's going to be our context for these next few weeks. And he shares this story about a farmer who throws seeds that where it fell where there was good soil, it grew. Thanks for coming. <laughs> right? Like, that's what the crowds heard. Did you guys hear that wonderful parable about the magnet? Nothing, right? <laughs> Nothing. It's just, yeah, iron. Sure. Right? Seeds and soil. Thanks, Jesus. Is this why you brought me out to hear this guy talk? I'm going to go back to the farm and like put seeds on the soil. This guy's a little wacko, right? So um, we find there's this little break that Matthew chooses to put within this parable that probably wasn't right then, right? Because Jesus probably stayed in the boat. He probably didn't come to the side. The disciples talked to him and him go back out in the boat. 
But probably what happened, he stayed in the boat. But Matthew decided in his, when he's writing his gospel to say, we asked him about this. Like, why do you do this? So let's look at uh, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So we're going to spend a little time this morning, especially since we're going to be talking about parables these next few weeks within Matthew. Um, we also can ask this question, right? So there's two groups of people. Well, just there's lots of groups, but in this example, there's two groups of people. We have the crowds, and then we have the disciples. And when you hear the word disciples, don't just think of the 12. Think of all those that have kind of chosen to follow Jesus. But inside this big mass, there's two groups. There's the crowds, and there's the followers of Jesus. Now the crowds, um, they're kind of more closed off to Jesus, right? They haven't jumped in, if you will, into the group. They've remained neutral to Jesus' messages. They've kind of been listening from afar. And as we learned last week, being neutral to Jesus is rejecting Jesus. And that's weighty. This is where we find ourselves with the crowds. And the disciples, they've had soft hearts, right? They've, they're open to the kingdom and the messianic purposes and Jesus' message. And that's what we're going to be talking about through these parables, the message of the kingdom. And right here is the beginning of a group of parables. Their stories, their analogies, their comparisons from everyday life that drive home a spiritual or moral truth, unlike the magnet story. It was just a story, because that's what it sounds like to many of the crowds. So the disciples asked this question, why are you just telling these lessons that people don't understand? Let's read in verse 11. Jesus answered him, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case of the prophecy of Isaiah, it's fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Right, this is Jesus back talking to the disciples. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So the crowds, we're going to stop there, and the crowds, they don't see and the disciples do see. These are the followers. Right? They're asking this conversation. The followers, the disciples are hearing this conversation that we just read. And from Jesus' answer, Kind of two things are happening here. One, we find God's grace to give his creatures the truth of his kingdom. Like that's not required of God. God chooses to reveal. 
the secrets and the mysteries of the spiritual realm that's really hard to see, almost can never see with our eyes. These are being revealed or unveiled. And Jesus is saying here, in his words, the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. And in verse 12, we see that he wants to give more and more and more to his followers. But in this passage, we also have the inverse, right? And for many of us, as you read a passage like that, it's the louder part, right? We have this hiding, we have this deafness, we have this blindness. Why? And I've wrestled with this all week. This is my stab at it, if you will. Well, Jesus quoting Isaiah 6, right? And Isaiah is this prophet in the Old Testament, a really long book of the Old Testament, a major prophet. And in chapter 6, it's Isaiah's commissioning, where God touches his tongue physically so that he becomes the prophet of Israel, the prophet of God. But in this commission, it was a commission, a judgment. Very different than Jonah that we studied last week, right? This was a commission of judgment. The people have grown closed and cold to God, the Israelites. And Isaiah was God's chosen messenger, the hardener for Israel. It was not a time for reward for Israel. It was a time of discipline. So I'm just going to read Isaiah 6.10. This, this is from the Old Testament. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. This is God's directions to Isaiah. Please do not take this as your directions this morning. This was a time where God is using Isaiah for a specific purpose. And just like Isaiah's message to the Israelites, the unresponsive hearer finds Jesus' message only making oneself more and more and more hard to God's purposes. And we get this, right? We get this. There are many areas or topics in our life that when we first learned about it, how do we respond? Well, we didn't like it, probably. We thought it was dumb or disgusting or completely wrong or irrelevant. And we went, didn't want any part of that topic. That is just, that is not me. And then any time for the rest of your life, when that topic came up, what happened? Ugh. Right? And what would happen? Your thoughts and your mind, you weren't open to learning more about it. You were like, ugh. Politics does that to us in our country. Where we don't even learn anymore. We're just like, oh, that word, ah. Uh, there's treasure there. I'm not saying it's all treasure, but there's treasure there. So we get this. So we become calloused or blind or deaf to change on that topic. 1315. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely see, and their eyes 
have closed. It's different than Isaiah a little bit, right? There's, there's some differences there. Jesus saying, this has happened. So the crowd is dull to the message of Jesus. And we've seen this with the Pharisees. If you've been here the last few weeks, these guys are cold to Jesus. They're not just cold to Jesus. They're like cold-hearted killers. They want to destroy Jesus. They call God Satan. And Jesus, in his perfect timing, sovereignty, compassion, chooses to use parables and stories and word pictures to talk about his kingdom. Remember, this is before the church has been sent out on our mission that we live in today. And what's our mission? What's to tell the pinnacle of the faith, the cross, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus? Remember, this is before that. Jesus was going to die for all the sin, all the dullness of heart that he was currently experiencing with these crowds, knowing that there was a rejection of the Messiah. The cross of Jesus is the good news for all of us because it lifts the veil. It tears the curtain and opens up a relationship between man and God. Jesus says no more. And we find in Romans chapter 10 that says, how will they know unless we go and tell them this same message of going and sharing says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the parables had a purpose for a time to blind and from what I said earlier, maybe even protect the crowds. Remember when we talked about the unforgivable sin? Like when you've seen the light, like it's clear to you, but you reject, reject, reject? There's a protection there as Jesus knows of their dull hearts. And we also learn about a man who had a demon and it left him. So there's some organization there. But the man didn't fill up his life with Jesus. And he was worse off after the fact. So maybe there's some protection there as well. But we all know that the Bible is really clear on why the heart is dull. And it's sin. It's this cancer, spiritual cancer that grows and keeps us from loving God. And it teaches us to love ourselves. That we get to be our own God. And we are just like the Pharisees. But we don't have to stay there. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So no matter who you relate to today in this room, if you're kind of part of the crowds, kind of indulged to Jesus, or maybe you're a follower where you're kind of leaning in, or you're a disciple and you're like all in wherever you find yourself, I just want to say there's only one life-giving response that will do anything for your heart, and that's receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a mystery. I believe that in God's sovereignty, Jesus knows his sheep, and they will know him. 
And parables bring insight to the scene. The scene get more and more for the, G, the followers of Jesus. And it's a mystery why God gives a certain amount of faith to some where people quickly, quickly believe, but others live a life with kind of a dull heart that's rustling, and there's dull vision, and we all live life together. There's a mystery to that. But we do know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In this faith, this faith in Jesus, Jesus re relates it to being reborn, having a new birth, when he talk, talks to Nicodemus. And as we go through the soil analogy, the parable, we need to be reminded it's God who gives the new hearts. He doesn't just give you kind of a heart makeover. He didn't have like a heart makeup kit and like covers it up a little bit, make it look a little bit better. What he does is he removes the dull heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh that desires Jesus. This is being born again. So now let's turn to the four soils. We're gonna see some reasons why the word, this message, sometimes sprouts, but many times doesn't or it doesn't last, or it doesn't have any production. Remember, in this parable, Jesus is giving insights into a spiritual realm, okay? Into a spiritual realm. He's giving his followers insights, and of course, Matthew, in his generosity, has given it to us 2,000 years later. So there's four soils mentioned we're about to read. The first three soils are negative, and the fourth is positive. James Boyce relates the first three to a, a hard heart, a shallow heart, and a strangled heart. And I thought those words were good, so we're going to use those today. So let's read them one parable at a, or one soil at a time, starting in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches it away. What has been thrown, sown in his heart, this is the one sown along the path. So the word doesn't produce probably for two reasons here. First, Satan, this entity, this fallen angel, is real. He's active, and he wants to destroy. That's one reason. He's the worst he does not want humanity to be free. He does not want humanity to be forgiven. He really wants to lie and steal, confuse. He hates God and hates everything about God. So you can see why he wants to actively snatch up any good that's happening in your life. The second we find here, the hard heart, is because the reason the seed fell and got snatched is because the seed fell where? On the, the path, right? So a hard heart, the seed sits on top. So what is that saying? Where? Feet have walked over and over again, packed down. A seed cannot get into the soil. It's like the path we made back here. By the third or fourth week, it was concrete. 
I tried to move some of the stuff, and I'd use a pickaxe, and I just gave up because I'd rather hit the blacktop out there. It was the same. A path has been walked over. No, I don't want it. No, dull. I don't even want to think about that stuff. It's been hardened. This is what Jesus is saying here. Well, how do you get rid of the hard heart? Well, in reading the Bible, there is no pickaxe for the dull, hard heart other than prayer. I can't find anywhere else works that you need to do that will make your heart soft. You know why? Because making a heart soft isn't picking the heart and making it softer. It's getting a new heart. And guess who gives those away? God. So this morning, if you feel like you're in this category where your heart is hard and maybe some truth falls on it, like this morning, like some, some worship and some prayer and some preaching, like it sits there, but then you, you walk, it's just gone. It's just like, boop, taken. Those must be all lies. Maybe this morning you need a new heart. And the hearts that God gives away is a soft heart. You know why? Because it's his heart. It's his heart. That's what we get. That's why our identity is in Jesus. So what do you do? Will you pray? You ask God, give me a soft heart. Give me a new heart that desires you. What else do you pray? Well, you ask your friends, pray for me. I have a hard heart. Will you talk to God for me? Ask God to open my heart up to him. And for those in the room that have soft hearts, what's your job? Pray for your friends with hard hearts. So next, let's look at the shallow heart. Verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word immediately, receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately it falls away. So this soil is not as dense as the path, but it does have some problems. The shallow heart has some root problems, if you will. The heart can accept some level of the gospel, the message of Jesus, even respond with affection, even joyfully respond to it. But when it's tested by life, which none of us can get away from, it dies. And this is why I often tell myself and others, I believe God cares a lot more about how you end than how you start. Amen for all of us who have rough starts in this life, that God cares more about how you end and your endurance. We all know that when someone comes and gives a powerful speech, maybe to kick off some big event like Save the Creeks of Overland Park, right? That, that day there's a sign-up sheet like, yes, I don't want creeks full of pollution. Sign me up. Nine months later, who's picking up the trash in the creeks? Well, the four people who put on the conference. Why? Because they cared about it? This isn't foreign to us. We understand what happens when you truly receive Jesus 
and give your life to him. You know why? Because the church is so much more than a service club. What's Jesus' sign-up sheet? It's taking up a cross and following him. He does not hide the call. But the good news about it is you get Jesus. You give up everything, but you get Jesus. You get the heart of God. So what's the problem with the rocky soil? This is a trick question. Rocks, right? The problem with the rocky soil, it's the rocks. And I just want to propose that maybe these are the things that are inside this internal character problems that you have that you're not willing to give up to God. And these are really hard things to get rid of. Many of us, they were found when we were just four or five years old. Ask your parents. These are hard things to get rid of. And you need the power of God. But what have I found in my experience is you got to have friends. We have neighborhood groups and discipleship groups. And we have a third thing. I didn't even write down here. It's called a friendship, right? It's people in your life that you're willing to sit down with and go, hey, I got rocks. Will you help me? And I want to be the kind of church that we do this all the time for each other. We want deep roots, deep roots, and those rocks have got to get out for those roots to go deep. Let's end this life well together. So the third soil, verse 22, the strangled heart. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. He had to throw the money in there, didn't he? He couldn't just say the world. Sure, there's plenty there, but he throws in, let's just throw, let's let him know that. And the desire of money, which he just defines as deceitfulness. Now, this soil is convicting, because what does this mean? Well, it means the plant is a plant, right? It's a plant. But the world, the thorns, right, it's chokes, it's productivity. So I was just thinking, for example, there's a plant in your yard. You bought a house, there's a plant there. It's an orange tree. And someone asked you about the tree in your yard, and you knew it was an orange tree because the last guy who sold you the house said, that's an orange tree. Right? And you're like, yeah. And the guy's like, how do you know? Well, the guy told me. But it's the strangest thing. The orange tree never produces oranges. It's the strangest thing. Right? Is that convicting for you? It is for me. The strangest thing, last year, the orange tree didn't produce any oranges. That's convicting for the Christian. Good thing it's Jesus, not me, right? Right. Now the soil's decent. And the weeds love it. The weeds love to be around the soil. And sometimes we need a friend to say to us, hey, you know what, If if you cleaned up around that orange tree where all those thistles and briars and thorns it might actually produce some oranges. 
oh, that would be some work. Have you been around thorns? They hurt. He says, kill the weeds. This morning, friends, may all of us, let's kill the weeds. What are the external things in our lives that are making us unproductive? Remove them. Well, how do you do that? Pray. Friends. Okay. Right? As you study the Bible with friends or discipleship groups or neighborhood groups or having coffee with a buddy, find out where your life is not aligned with Jesus. Work together and fight for a productive life. So lastly, as we close today, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. So the soft heart, as we've been talking all morning, it accepts, it receives with joy, and what's supposed to happen, happens. Fruit. It grows. A life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And this is the expectation of the sower. The word of God yields fruit when the soil is good. And not only do you get the fruit, you get more seeds make more plants. So this morning, four questions. Let's do a soil check. Are you praying that God softens the soil of your life or others? Number one, are you praying that God softens your heart or the life of the others? Number two, are you involved in daily rock removal? What's inside your sinful desires? Are you fighting them? And as we already done this morning, we confess those and we repent and we turn to Jesus because the gospel forgives you all the time. Thirdly, are you involved in daily weed killing? Where is the world distracting you? Where is the world not distracting you? It's like, holy moly, it's like I think through that question in my own life. It's like, okay, I got to about 8.30 a.m. and had four, right? Like, where is the world distracting you? Make steps to being more productive on eternal things. I look around at you guys. I'm not worried about you being productive, but are you being eternally productive? Maybe that's your question this morning. Lastly, are you pursuing the fruit of the Spirit in your life and spreading the gospel everywhere? Our desire is to grow and our love for God and our love for our neighbors together. Let's get together and do some soil work.